Hello, and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik, and let me just say, I'm so glad you're here. This podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. This week, I am bringing on uh, another person for an interview for you guys. I'm so happy to bring on Ann Marcus. She is a co-founder and CEO of Exceptional Lives. But the most important thing is she is a mom of two young men, Chris and Robbie. Welcome, Ann. How are you doing? Great. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. So even though you are the the CEO of uh, Exceptional Lives, I really wanted to talk about your son, Robbie. Can you tell us about Robbie? So um, Robbie is now a young man in his 20s. Robbie um, had a, uh, what's referred to as a a prenatal stroke, which meant he had a stroke in utero, um, but we were not aware that this happened. Uh, When Robbie was about five or six months old, we realized that he wasn't doing the things that he should have been doing for a six-month-old. This led us on a series of investigations until he was diagnosed by a neurologist when he was around nine months old with what I tend to say is a little bit of everything. Um, He has some physical disabilities. He has weakness on the right side of his body. He didn't walk until he was about two. He has some um, intellectual challenges. But he also is someone who just is really, really full of life. And when he sets his mind to something, he will definitely accomplish it. Awesome. Awesome. So when you were raising Robbie, you were also working a very intense job. How was that? How did you build your village? How did you locate resources? What was that like? Well, to be honest, it was really hard initially. And I don't like this to be a... I don't want this to be sound like a sad story, or but when Robbie was diagnosed, my um, dad had already passed away and my mom had cancer. I was working in a pretty intense job. My, again, don't want to have a sad story, but um, my husband worked in the real estate business and the real estate business was um, not doing very well then. So I, you know, my job was very important to our family. And so it was um, tough. I called early intervention. And unfortunately, I was told that um, there was a wait list. This is not legal, but I didn't know that. Early on, I just found it again to be very tough to find resources. And as a result of that, I feel like I made some mistakes. The big thing is like, I think was once you, like if you can find one person that can help you, can make a huge, huge, huge difference. So right after Robbie was diagnosed by a neurologist who was not helpful to us, which is another reason why I found it exceptionalized, um, said to us, oh, just like Google online cerebral palsy and you'll figure out what to do. Well, as we all know, this is not very helpful. Um, A wife of a friend of ours was an OT and I never really understood what she did because my husband and I had never had much exposure before this to children with disabilities. Anyways, um, shortly after I was diagnosed, we got together with this couple and I started asking the woman some about her job. So later we um, told them why we did and she connected us initially to an 
OT, who then connected us to a speech therapist, and we started to develop this chain of resources. But it was hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like it was. You really struck a chord with me when you said when you find that one person that really kind of gets helps you get the ball rolling because there is so many resources out there and it, it's it's overwhelming. And if you don't know where to start or what questions to even ask, it's that much harder. And so we had a very similar situation. We were kind of trying to figure out what we were going to do with our own son. And we had one um, educator who suggested we contact pupil appraisal, which is that next step in that early intervention chain going into the school system. And um, honestly, without her telling us to give them a call, we would have struggled for a lot longer than we did. Um, But what I'm going to do for folks that are listening is I'm going to put some uh, links in our show notes to early intervention. So that way, if they're not familiar with that, they can uh, find out more about that. Excellent. I think you've mentioned this before when we've when we've talked, but how is it navigating raising a typically developing child with a child with disabilities? Our son Robbie um, required a lot of, he obviously took up a good amount of time because of he had his variety of issues. Our son Chris also, you know, eventually had a few, you know, learning disabilities and other things that he challenges that he um, needed some assistance to figure out how to deal with, but it was a very different situation. Just after Chris was born, I think I was sitting in a waiting room at hospital with Robbie, and I saw a mom with two kids, very similar to my situation. And the mom told her typically developing child to um, how much she appreciated his patience, and she couldn't wait for their special time. And that sparked a chord of me, their special time. So after that, I worked very hard to carve out a time for Chris that would be our special time. And this time ended up being, for a long time, was on Friday afternoons because I could leave work somewhat early on Fridays. And when he was young, he did get out of school earlier on Fridays. So I would pick him up and arrange for someone to be with Robbie. And he and I would do whatever Chris wanted to do. Sometimes this would be he loved planes. It'd be going to the airport and watching from a distance the planes taking off. It would be in what he wanted to do because you know, most kids kids don't have control of their lives. And Chris said even somewhat certain way less control. Right. And I think our special times made an enormous difference. That's awesome. I um I you know I'm I have just one child. So <laughs> I would have, you know, never never thought about that or, or, you know, to give that advice to a, a parent. And so that is, that is awesome. And how amazing that you were just sitting there in the waiting room and you happened to hear her say that, and you're like, I'm going to try that. And, and you've, I'm sure you've created all of these great memories with Chris over the years that, um, that he has. How are Chris and Robbie's relationship now as both young adults? Well, Chris is almost five years younger than Robbie. And Robbie, though he's older, you know, looks up to Chris in many ways. Right, right. You know, Chris, I would say like any um, like any kid, you know, obviously he he struggled for a little while with having a brother with disabilities. But he um I think just because you know we tried in our house just to be like this was just the way it was. And again, we try to give Chris 
attention. And when we did try to give him his time, I said, we try to just make sure that time was solely focused on him. And what I found is it didn't take a lot of extra time. It just took to make making sure that that time was focused on him. As a result, I think over time, he has gotten used to the fact that he has a, he has actually viewed it as, he does not view it as a negative in his life, which makes me feel really good. That's great. That's great. Um, it is hard. I would say that, you know, it, I do know, seeing other families, a lot depends upon the personalities of the kids. And I see right. families where it's just really, really hard for the sibling. And so I just would encourage parents to like, not react negatively at first like how can you like not love your sibling and try to like approach it from the sibling's perspective because that's what I had to try to do I had to think about mm-hmm. how did I feel as Chris given his limited experience as a human you know when he was <laughs> in, you know, 10 years old what it was like to have a 15 year old brother who was different right and what right. it was like to have other kids tease Chris about his brother. And I had to like, you have to try to kind of get into a skin in order to feel that and to be empathetic about it. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's a very good perspective. Sometimes we forget that our our little humans are still human. And, and so we have to remind ourselves, you know, to try to see the world and the dynamic through their eyes. So talking about other kids, what have other kids taught Robbie and even Chris along the way? I know you kind of mentioned that Chris developed, it sounds like some empathy from just having to hear those things that maybe some of those kids said uh, in a hurtful way. But what what are some, maybe some other things that you could think of that other kids maybe have taught Robbie and Chris along the way? You know, one of the big things about Robbie is he wants friends so very much. And he will be the most loyal friend in the world if you are kind to him. You know, other kids have seen that part of him. Like if somebody does something for him, he wants to like go out and buy a card to thank them. He wants to send just like like the smallest gesture he'll acknowledge and appreciate because when you don't get it a lot, it means a lot to you when you do get it. I think for Chris. Again, he saw, you know, the opportunity to see both good and bad. And I would always tell Chris that, um, again, this is something I learned from somebody else, that how your friends treat Robbie is really going to show you who they are. And the kids who would go out of their way when they came to our house to acknowledge Robbie and talk to him, they're the people who 10 years later, Chris is probably still friendly with. That's the a great kids who would come in the house and ignore Robbie because they didn't feel comfortable. Those are the kids that eventually I think he fell, fell out to the wayside pretty quickly. They weren't true long-term friends. Uh, a great reminder for us that, you know, the way other people act and interact with, with us and our families is a reflection of them and not a reflection of us. I, That's I a great really, way of putting it. Yeah, I really, yeah. really love that. Uh, ooh, one second. Okay. The um, the robo vacuum started and I had to turn it off. <laughs> it's very loud. Ah, okay. I love those things though. The they, they're amazing. <laughs> um, so what a, one of the things that you mentioned um, in one of your when you were kind of talking earlier about 
when you guys were first looking for resources for Robbie's that there just, there wasn't a lot of resources. So in your experience, why does it matter for us to support parents of children with disabilities? Well, I think it's important for us to, A, I think helping families find resources and understanding what to do and how to do it can make such a huge difference. Because if you have that information and you're not you know, spinning your wheels, trying to figure it out, then you can use that time for so many other things, even, you know, right. to give yourself back a little bit, you know, to, for self-care, which I think is so important and something which I myself ignored for a long time. And also, you know, just benefits your child. Your child's getting the resources that they need. And we all know that we all need things and kids with disabilities maybe have a few more needs. And if we get what we need, it makes our lives better. Um, and any child who gets what they need is going to, in the long run, have be able to do more and live a more fuller life. Also, I think that just kind of knowing that somebody else is there, we try very hard in our content that we convey to people to let you know, even like podcasts like this, that you're not alone. Like we're here right. and we get yeah. it and it can be very lonely. Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, uh, that is one of the things that I loved when I came on to this organization is that all of our team members, well, the majority of our team members have, you know, a child or children with disabilities and we're all at different points in that journey. Um, Robbie's, you know, in his twenties, whereas my son is eight. And so it's great to know that I can, I can say, Anne, what did you guys do about this? And just on a, on a more personal level, we have that, um, that perspective that we can offer other parents, even if our children's disabilities aren't identical, a lot of the, the things that we go through are the same navigating, you know, healthcare, navigating the school system. And so we can, we can offer that perspective for, for each other and for, for families. Kind of going back to when you decided to start Exceptional Lives, how was founding an organization while also being a, a, a parent of a child with disabilities? I, I couldn't fathom doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, first of all, Robbie was a little bit older, but it was, um, it definitely was tricky. Uh, but I felt really much like I was at a point in my life where if I didn't do this, it wouldn't happen. So that I needed to do it because it had been on my mind for a long time, particularly since I had that first experience of just losing so much t valuable time when I could have gotten resources for Robbie because. I didn't know what to do or even like what questions to ask. I wanted to make sure that other people didn't go through those experiences. Also, when I did try to find stuff online, a lot of it was written in a way which was, was not very friendly. It was hard at times to understand. And the tone would be very much like, you need to do this, very authoritative or sort of government speak. And that didn't yeah. appeal to me. It made in the situation hard, just didn't help in terms of feeling like, oh, this organization's here to help me. Um, so I wanted to not only be able to help supply people with information, but again, to have that compassion part of it because it is hard. And even like your very close friends who, if they don't have a child with disabilities, like they'll say stuff at times to do things, which is not meant to be hurtful, but it does it hurt. Can be. Yeah. It can be yeah. very hurtful. Very yeah. Absolutely. 
yeah, it's great to have the information where you can just share it with others to say, hey, like we have the podcast, here's six things not to say, (laughs) and you know, things like that. Um, Because people sometimes don't realize that what they're saying or doing might be hurtful um, or triggering. So Anne, um, you are definitely a mover and shaker in in the the nonprofit disability uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> realm, and so you've recently been sharing stuff. I happen to see it pop up on my LinkedIn feed. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what you're sharing there? Yes, yeah, so I'm trying to share more articles about what I see is just you know really you know, positive experiences and positive developments for people with disabilities. My favorite articles that I shared recently was about a new type of um, wheelchair that many of the public parks are offering for um, people with disabilities that this wheelchair is designed to be able to go on the trails of our public parks. And I think we all know how fortunate we are in this country to have like our vast system of parks and that this is really a great resources that everybody can take advantage of. So I was so excited when I saw this because it just opened up access to people with disabilities, children with disabilities, and their families. Awesome. I will, I'm going to put a link in our show notes to your LinkedIn so our listeners can go and follow you there. What are, what are your dreams for Exceptional Lives? Like what could Exceptional Lives be doing that nobody else is doing? So my you know, dream for exceptional lives is that you know, every family that needs us is able to know about us and able to access us. And in particular, I want to have exceptional lives support those families who are not only dealing with having a child with disabilities, but they're also dealing with other challenges in their life. These might be racism, poverty, being a you know, the sole parent of a child with disabilities, and that we can be there for for those who need us the most. Yeah, that's that's so great, Anne. That's that's so we're, great. We're trying, and we're really <laughs> fortunate to have people like I'm. Really fortunate to have colleagues like you on Thank this journey you. with me because um, it's really you know, this exceptional lives is not me. It would not be what it is today without the team that makes exceptionalized exceptional lives and uh I agree I agree we we have a, a great team here with with all these different perspectives and and like-mindedness so we can help propel uh propel us to those dreams that we're manifesting right <laughs> absolutely and we'll get there we will we will well and I would just want to thank you so much for joining me this week and sharing your experiences. Um, do you have any any last bits of uh, advice or anything you'd like to to give our friends here on the podcast before we leave? I think the most important thing is don't give up hope. Like even though it's tough, there are some really, really hard days. Just don't give up hope. It will get better. And we're here if you need something. Um, it's always easy to contact us through chat, email, phone, text. Like we're happy to talk to you, even if you're just having a really bad day. Uh, so, and we want to just, and just thank you all for listening to this. 
and please tell your friends about us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. This podcast was hosted by me, Christina Kozik for Exceptional Lives. I will have resources listed in our show notes that we've discussed in today's episode. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website has blogs, guides, upcoming events, and a resource directory for Massachusetts and Louisiana. We'd love for you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Exceptional Lives. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening.